Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, November 21st. And I think we've reached that uh, one year mark of the podcast. I, Believe I it or had not. the uh, 25th in my head. So okay. It might okay. be next, this coming Thursday, but yeah, it was late November. So we're right around there for sure. And of course, you're listening to the voice of Max, who joins me as he always does, my virtual neighbor. How's it going, my friend? Good. Happy to take a second and just pat on our, ourselves on the shoulder for sticking with it. Not, uh, I can't remember the stat on like the average podcast is something like two episodes. So we've gone and well and broken that watershed and it's been fun. Oh yeah. We are well on our way to number 100 in, in just a, a few weeks time. So really exciting. And, um, no place I'd really rather be. I, I, oh. It's nice. We had that bit of time where we didn't communicate as much when we were in school. And even though we're hours and hours apart, still get to spend a couple nights a week chatting sports with my best bud. So I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening in on our, our special moments together. To commemorate, we have some of the same as ever. A bit of football fan cave. We're a little behind on this, but we're going to do our NHL game check-in, doing the same thing we did with the NBA, running through the storylines of the season in the National Hockey League so far, getting anyone who hasn't been following it too tightly up to speed on everything. And then I've got a quick tennis note to end the show that'll take a couple minutes. So without further ado, let's dive right in. NFL is this week 11 wrapping up, oh, week 12. Week 11, sir. Yeah, um, really excited about week 11 going into this this week. Uh, I mentioned that it was a great slate of games on tap, and for the most part, it didn't disappoint. Some really good games, some surprising games, adding on to this weird theme of the season. I'll get there quickly. Uh, it was a brutal week for potential contenders or teams that thought of themselves as contenders, and a big part of that was I don't know. For me personally, it feels like there were a lot of missed kicks so far today. We're still just wrapping up the afternoon slate. Um, But I think I saw when I was watching red zone, like six or seven. And I think, I don't think I saw them all. So pretty brutal week for kickers. And then on top of that contenders, new Orleans saints get shellacked by the Philadelphia Eagles. That was best on best in terms of running versus run defense and the Eagles ran all over the saints really successful game for them. They're on a mini run right now and they're looking hot. Uh, The Washington football team beating the Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton, his homecoming game, uh, all very excited. And the football team spoils the party with a win there. The Minnesota Vikings who have are the only team in the NFL to lead by a touchdown every single game this season, get a big win to go one game above 500 on the season, six and five. They beat the Green Bay Packers on a walk-off field goal. Um, That was a really, really fun and exciting game. And if you had Cook, Jefferson, Thielen, Devontae Adams in fantasy, you're you're having a pretty good day for yourself. And then a couple of big ones to note. Obviously, Green Bay was the number one seed in the NFC. That's a loss for them. But those divisional games, you can always see. And Minnesota is a better team. Uh, Then it shows in their record, but the two big surprising results of the weekend, 
The Buffalo Bills now have fallen out of first in the AFC East. The Patriots take over, uh, and the Bills, they stun loss Indianapolis Colts. And my fantasy MVP of the week, everyone's fantasy MVP of the week, what a spectacular performance from Jonathan Taylor, who had five total touchdowns in the game, uh, over 130 yards on the ground, just ran all over Buffalo, and the Colts beat them up big time in a statement win for Indianapolis as they try to jump back into the playoff picture. And for the Bills, that's a big loss. They now sit in the sixth seed in the AFC uh, after just being relatively on track to, to fight for that one seed two weeks ago. And so a really tough, tough loss for them. They'll need to regroup. And, and some people saw this coming into the week that a lot of their wins have been against softer teams. Obviously, the loss to Jacksonville was a bit of a wake-up call. But this Indianapolis team played hard mouth football and, and beat them in a way that the Bills haven't, hadn't prepared for. Uh, and so definitely some concerns there in Buffalo about the, uh, the makeup of this team as it gets deeper and deeper into the season. And then the last most surprising result, I'm sure we all had this one on our cards, the Houston Texans, the one in eight Houston Texans, eight game losing streak, go into Nashville and beat the Tennessee Titans, number one seed in the AFC, Tennessee Titans. Um, Ryan Tannehill throws four interceptions. The Texans do just enough to Rod Taylor with two rushing touchdowns, and that is a bad, bad, bad beat for the Titans uh, after a six-game winning streak against really strong teams. They just choke up one at home. And, and that's just the tough pill to swallow as Titans fans because you're starting to truly believe that your team has a shot at the Super Bowl and then they go and drop a game like this. Uh, <laughs> just brutal. And they're going to have to do some self-reflection heading towards next week and, and late into the season. I mean, it sounds like the way this season's going, there's going to be no teams that make the playoffs that haven't had a moment of self-reflection at some point or another this season. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like we have talked about adversity a ton on this podcast in previous episodes, most notably with uh, the world juniors team Canada, but it's good in the NFL. Like, I mean, there's parody for a reason and you go out and play all the games for a reason because any team can beat any team on any given Sunday. And We've seen that these last couple of weeks uh, favorites have, have had some tough, tough losses, but it just, you bake that into the identity of the team so that when it comes to the playoffs, you're not making those same mistakes and you're really focused in on every snap. Um, the biggest winner from this week is probably the New England Patriots who just destroy the Atlanta Falcons. Their defense put up 28 fantasy points. I have their defense. I was thrilled. I'm still going to lose this week because I'm up against Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Adam Thielen. Um, as well as George Kittle and a bunch of others. I'm getting swamped, which is just unfortunate. But a big week for them. They get a win on a Thursday night and then watch themselves rise in the standings without having to do too much, watching uh, the, the Titans lose, the Bills lose, the Ravens narrowly defeating the Bears uh, after Lamar Jackson announced out of the game right, right prior to uh, with the illness, non-COVID illness. Um, and... <laughs> Tyler Huntley gets in there, wins his first NFL start just barely over the Bears. And uh, yeah, we take a look at this afternoon window. The Chiefs have come out firing, but, but Dallas is creeping their way back in it. 
Vegas and Cincinnati is tight and Arizona, Seattle is tight. We'll, we'll really have to see what the outcome of those games are. And then the LA chargers and the Steelers tonight will be a really fun one. And then Monday night, the giants and the Buccaneers, always a weird matchup between these two and lots of history with Brady and the giants. Uh, so some really great games to finish off week 11 and we'll have some more stuff to talk about on Thursday when we preview week 12, but a uh, really good week in the NFL and, and, Across the board, things are getting a little bit cloudier. It's almost like all the teams have started to narrow into this one big pack. Uh, and rather than having a move-in day, as they'll say in the NFL, uh, they'll have one week a year where the, the contenders really separate themselves. It seems like we're just <laughs> conglomerating even more in the NFL. So fascinating to see. Yeah, what I'm going to be really curious about is uh, what period of slumping seems to benefit most for playoff success. Is it the ones who had that rough start early and had ground to make up and so come into the playoffs hot with momentum off that? The ones who run a pretty good season and just trip themselves up a little but recover with no real sweat because they already know they have the playoff berth clinched. That'll be something to follow. I guess uh, going with last year's Bucks, it was that mid-season pickup for them. Yeah, I think the best sort of seasons you want to have is – a, a decent start because it shows a lot of teams that start well, make the playoffs. It's, it's just statistically it happens at times. So you want to bank a couple wins early. Usually you can have your struggles in the middle of the season, but you always want to be on like a two or three game winning streak heading into the playoffs, which is what the Buccaneers were able to do. That's usually the best time. Cause you know, you're playing your best football and um, we're going to see which couple of teams ends up doing that uh, as we get later into the season. And it'll be Thanksgiving next Thursday for our friends south of the border. So lots of football action on that Thursday to watch and enjoy. I, I cannot wait. We really are hitting our anniversary. I remember titling our second or third episode, <laughs> Happy Fake Thanksgiving Weekend. That's what reminded me. <laughs> Alrighty, that's it for Football Fan Cave. Uh, Max, where do you want to take it next? Yeah, we'll jump into talking hockey for our NHL game check-in. The NBA, I called it the 12-13 game mark. That's where most teams were. Here, we've got teams anywhere between the 14 and 20 game played mark. So I'm going to call it our one quarter because at 17 game, excuse me, at 17 games played, that's about one quarter of the season, as close as you're going to get. Uh, so, with, so with that, kind of the happy medium that a good chunk of the teams are at. We've got one quarter of the NHL season played through and hockey maybe not looking like the sport with the most parity among all the majors for this. We've already got plenty of teams pulling well ahead of the pack. Uh, we'll kick it off in the division where that is the most evident, the Metropolitan Division, which is led by the 14-2 Carolina Hurricanes. Several teams in the league, top five, top ten in both goals for, goals against. The Hurricanes, one of them, just fantastic team play uh, from the point production to Freddie Anderson's <laughs> goaltending for them, leading the league with 11 wins, uh, everything firing for this team oh. Yeah, the, the key metric with this team and the key aspect of the way they play is defense. 
They are leading the league in goals against per game. Um, they are also a top 10 team in, in special teams on both sides, power play and penalty kill. They do things well there. And then, of course, like you mentioned, Freddie Anderson um, in the top three in the league and save percentage. And obviously he's a great goaltender, but a big portion of that comes from the play of the team in front of you. And they, uh, they're really, really high up in the league and expected goals against. So just limiting those scoring chances. The, the thing I'll mention is it, it will come back, back down to earth a little bit. Like the save percentage is going to regress. You're not going to get 940 nights every night. And the expected goals for is actually below league average. So they're not creating as many chances as, as maybe you would like them to but obviously right now they're building off that defense they're having a ton of success and uh they're just going to keep things rolling yeah just a team that did the rebuild right acquired the right players in the draft and have put great um supporting players behind them the goaltending is hot when you have all those things together you just have a top of the league team and that's the case with the carolina hurricanes no surprise really there after the season they had last year uh, and the moves they made in the offseason to see this where they're at. I don't know what's more surprising. The uh, Washington Capitals in second place or the production of Alexander Ovechkin for them, throwing it right back to his prime, uh, only behind McDavid and Dreisaitl in points and goals right now. Just fantastic offense for this whole team, but led by their captain. Yeah, it's, it is the story, perhaps, of the season for them uh, at the age of 36, doing what he's been able to do. And uh, I think a lot of the older Canadian heads in this country are not enjoying the fact that he's going to push Gretzky for that goals record. But right now, the pace is superb for Moby, and, and you love to see it. And like you mentioned, really high octane offense, top five in goals for, they're also top five in goals against though, deceptively responsible on the other side of the puck. Um, it's really fascinating to me when I was diving into some of the numbers that despite their power play being actually 21st in the league in efficiency, they still are top five in goals. Cause you normally picture Ovechkin scoring the majority of his goals from his office on the power play. And they haven't been able to do that, but still putting the puck in the net. They've also been missing TJ Oshie, Anthony Mantha for quite a sustained period of time and still managing to have that success. Um, it, yeah, it's, they're just a team with a ton of continuity that knows how to, strap on the skates and put out a professional effort every night and that's led to results for them early in the season and the goaltending going to be mentioned all podcasts so important kind of going 1a and 1b right now between samsonov and vanacek uh, vanacek getting a few more stats and samsonov putting up better numbers in the save percentage and goals against department but both below 2.5 and above 900 so solid numbers there um, though that was kind of the case last season and then Samson have struggled come playoff time. So that'll for sure be a story going into playoffs if they continue this trajectory. Moving right along, I'm pretty happy about this one. They were one of my picks. The New York Rangers sitting happily in third spot. Another team maybe a couple of years behind the Carolina Panthers, but following a similar trajectory in a team that's gone through the rebuild, picked up some important players in the draft and through free agency and trades, put the right supporting cast around. It's all starting to click for them. It looks like early here. 
Yeah, they're 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 starting to put things together as a team. We saw it, and there were some struggles last year. And Tom Wilson basically dismantled that whole franchise last year, uh, but they've put it back on track, and they've had a really strong start to the season. It, it actually didn't make that much sense to me when I was looking at some of the advanced statistics. They actually have a negative goal differential um, right now, and just they don't produce as, as much as you would expect from a, a top, top team in that Metro division, especially. But, I mean, ninth in the league in save percentage, Shesterkin has been fantastic Uh and they're wishing they maybe are getting a little bit more out of Georgiev uh, in that backup role, but just Sturkin sublime uh, at a 9.30 save percentage. And the other thing I will mention is they have had a slightly below average strength of schedule to start the season. So they've been able to bank some wins against maybe some lesser competition, and we'll see as they play in their division a little bit more if this run sustains itself as the season moves along. Yeah, I'm not sure how you want to handle things here. We can jump into the Atlantic for the playoff teams or finish off the Metro and um, just the wild card gets a bit messy there either way. Yeah, I don't mind uh, to I don't mind rolling through the Metro if, if that's good with you. All right. So like I said, a little messy here. Tied for the wild card position, number one spot. So sort of holding on to both spots right now the Philadelphia Flyers and the New Jersey Devils, though with 16 games played and 19 points, the Boston Bruins with two games in hand at 14 games played, just one point behind at 18, are a likely threat to catch up and take that first spot. But eight, five, and three identical starts for the Flyers and the Devils. My prognosis a lot more optimistic for the Flyers than the Devils, though. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, Philadelphia, another team like New York that was weird to place for me. Um, they have an, a negative expected goal differential, so giving up more chances than, than they produce. And uh, they have played a pretty high strength of schedule to start as well. So the, those two metrics combined kind of make sense. And maybe there's some opportunity to play some lesser competition and move up in the standings. And, and a big thing for them, they need to get that power play up fifth worst in the league has been an Achilles heel for them, but they've managed to get some great goaltending from both Martin Jones having a little bit of a resurgence. And then of course uh, the prodigal son, Carter Hart um, having a great start to his season. That's going to be a big key for their success. And then looking at New Jersey, they're the third youngest team in the league. Uh, Jack Hughes is now going to be out for a bit, which is a tough blow for them. But they just really struggled to score. They're in the bottom 10 in scoring and um, in special teams, just not great there. And then uh, the goaltending overall has been decent. Mackenzie Blackwood has been a, a bright spot uh, in that slew of goaltenders. And I'm looking forward to seeing if he can make a spot on Team Canada as we get close to the Olympics, because he's definitely one of the candidates there with spots up for grabs. Um, but this Devils team, I think, is maybe a couple more years away from really pu pushing for that uh, playoff spot. Yeah, another team struggling on the power play at 15%. It, the goaltending is solid, but defensively, they just don't seem to be at a level to uh, hold the fort steady enough to match with uh, some holes in their firepower as well. Uh, a better start than I'd have predicted for them, but I don't see them making too much of a run this year. All right, uh, that brings us to Columbus and Pittsburgh, who are tied at 18 points, just one behind those two teams. 
Columbus two games in hand on Pittsburgh. Um, I guess two pretty different seasons there for Pittsburgh. Really the story, no Crosby, no Malcolm to start has been rough on them and they're still trying to find their feet. Um, maybe a little more optimistic for Columbus, but again, a team that's blueprint just seems to be lacking a lot of key pieces to make waves right now. Yeah, with Columbus, it's it's a young team, second youngest roster in the league, and they like to play fast. They're actually ninth in the league in goals four per game, uh, but they give up plenty as well. Yeah. It's a lot of chances, both in high event hockey. Oliver Bjorkstrand has been fantastic for them as their leading scorer, and with Patrick, Patrick Laine out right now, they've needed that. Um, Elvis Merzlikens has been solid, but they haven't got anything out of Eunice Kurposalo early in this season. And, and part of that is the high event hockey that they play. Um, it's a decent team five on five, uh, but it's actually, they, their save percentage is a lot lower when it comes to five on five. So maybe in those situations, they just, they give up more chances in a five on five five setting they that could just be a product of luck or varying chances there but they're gonna have to clean up the goaltending a little bit more when it comes to five on five play and and you'll see them with a couple games in hands maybe uh start, start to push new jersey and philadelphia for that wild card spot yeah a team i never really know what to make of um with torts gone maybe one less factor of chaos in there but still plenty of surprises to these columbus blue jackets have all pretty tight um, between Philadelphia to Pittsburgh, those four teams uh, with the top dogs leading the way in the division, then comfortably at the bottom, I don't know how much joy you take in this, the New York Islanders, 5-7-2 and two to start the season for 12 points in 14 games. Uh, a truly awful start for a team that, in your own words, was one game away from probably winning the Stanley Cup. What I will say with this team, I'm not going to say too much, is I believe they're going to be in the playoffs when the season's done. They they played their first home game of the year last night. As this as the arena got built, they spent the majority of this they spent all of their start of the season on the road. So I'm going to throw out everything I've seen from New York and not even jump into the numbers here. All right. We'll check back in on that, hopefully around the halfway mark, but that'll end our Metro division coverage for now as we'll hop over to the Atlantic. Uh, really leading the league right now with the Carolina Hurricanes are the Florida Panthers. 13 wins, two losses, three overtime losses for uh, 29 points in 18 games, putting them a comfortable 10 points ahead of the Philadelphia Flyers in the first spot for that wild card race a fantastic start for the panthers the regular season success is no stranger to where they are right now as a team oh yeah um high octane offense for sure in this and for this team as well second in the league in goals scored per game um their metrics five on five are really really fantastic and then the last piece of it is i guess Bobrovsky took a extra year off in his on again, off again uh, type career. And he's turned up the, the goaltending performances early on in this season, a 942 save percentage and a 1.78 goals against average. He's either a Vesna candidate or he's your third goalie. And he's been really, really great to start the season for them. And Spencer Knight, of course, has been solid as a backup. And, and he could be one of the guys that Team USA looks at to put on their roster when we get to the Olympics, but the goaltending has been fantastic and they can put the puck in the net, which is a recipe for success. 
Yeah, incredibly prolific offense. So many players on the team, seven, eight of them already in the double digits in the scoring. Very few teams can say that. A team that's drafted well in players like Barkov, Huberdo, Bennett, or excuse me, Tippett, and then made a bunch of great acquisitions in players like Bennett, Reinhardt, Duclair, a great pickup for them. Um, not a lot to say on this team, just like the Canes in a a team that's rebuilt itself very well and turned itself into one of the elite teams in the league. Another one who the questions don't really start until the playoffs begin. Number two, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, after a bit of a rough start, 8-2-0 in their last 10 for 25 points in 19 games. Uh, for a very different season than we saw last year one of the top five defensive teams in the league one of the top 10 worst offensive teams in the league despite that the big boys Tavares leading the way with points Nylander Matthews Marner the next three in points per game um, that 50 percent of our cap it is pr proving or earning their way in points they and they were and I think I would have been a lot higher like yesterday I was singing songs I was so happy with the way the Leafs were rolling and then they go out and just lay an egg again against the Pittsburgh Penguins on a Saturday night when's the last time we heard that oh like three weeks ago um well, it went a little better this time at least it it looks like it did but they what they had like 10 more minutes of possession than the Penguins they got outshot 10 to three in the third period with like five minutes left and they had the puck the whole time. Like it, it they can control the puck. Um, they got a lot of fancy dudes, but when it comes down to like making the meat, it sometimes it just doesn't get done. And uh, they, the third line has started to find an identity, but the big thing for them that's really led to a ton of success is on that, 10 wins in 11 games they scored a power play goal in all of those games um they didn't last night and their power play looked not as great uh to put it lightly and so that's that this team is one that's going to rely on its top dogs and the top dogs were great over the last 10 games 11 games and then they weren't great last night and they lost so it's really it's as simple as that and the last thing that has to be mentioned is Jack Campbell um, leading the league in save percentage uh, up until yesterday. I'm not sure if the loss changed anything last night, but they are going to rely really heavily on a guy who's never played this many games in a season. And Joseph Wall gets the start tonight in Long Island. That'll be an adventure, but Jack Campbell, man, I love this guy. I'm so, so happy uh, that we have him on our team and, He's a big reason why I turn on the television, watch the leaves night after night. There you go. Uh, a great start defensively for this Toronto Maple Leafs team. Also a top penalty kill in the league, the power play firing. They have an elite starting goaltender at the moment. So a lot of the things we were asking for come the end of last season here right now, we'll see for how long. Not too long if the number three team, the Tampa Bay Lightning have anything to say about it this team you know they're gonna come in all guns blazing at playoff time it's just a question of what their seeding is gonna be um after 
a not ferocious start. They're seven, one and two in their last 10. Uh, Stemco's leading the way out in points. No Kucherov hurts them, but not enough to do any serious damage to this team. Yeah, uh, a relatively unimpressive season for the Tampa Bay Lightning so far. They sit in the top half of the league in, in most categories that matter. So that's great. And, and they've reached that point of status as a team where it's really like, okay, we have to slog through these 82 games to get to the season that really matters for us. Um, and that's the kind of feeling that you get from them early on in the season. And uh, the slow start before these last 10 games, partially due to some poor goaltending from Vasilevsky than they had experienced in the past, but he's really started to, to get things to click. And, and these guys are just going to hang around. They don't necessarily care whereabouts they finish in the standings. As long as they get in, they think they can beat anyone. Yeah. You know, they have some losses early against the Panthers, the Hurricanes, two of the top teams in the league, two teams who the lightning bounced out in the playoffs, you know, warming up for that game those locker rooms are just going to be buzzing with more intensity more of a chip on their shoulder than the lightning can possibly muster up this early in the season yeah. um vasilevsky interesting point though i mean goalies they just they don't seem to be no one seems to be able to stay on top of the league for much longer than two three years there's goalies who will have 10 15 year spans of greatness uh, such as longfist Broder, but there's hot and cold periods in between. Vasilevsky's been hot for a long time. Maybe this is the season where he cools down at least from elite best goaltender in the league to just starter average. Uh, we'll see how that might affect the Lightning moving forward. Uh, I thought we could write the Boston Bruins maybe off early in the season, but then fourth team in the Atlantic division with plenty of games in hand to gain on the wild card. Boston Bruins off to a nine and five start. Uh, David Krejci, Tuka Rask, two longtime staples of this squad and organization they have to make up for without, but the perfection line still leading the way for them seems to be good enough to keep the past alive for now for him. Yeah, it. I don't know what it is, if it's something Boston related, but it always feels like at the first half of the season, they always have four less games played than everyone else. Huh. I, it just, I don't know. It's seemed like that for the last couple of years. Like you're always looking over the rear view mirror and Boston's just like sprinting up behind you. Hey, we're coming. Don't forget about us. Um, and that's exactly where that team always wants to be. Like you mentioned, perfection line, perfection. Uh, it's led to them having a fantastic power play uh, top 10 in the league there. And the goaltending I'll touch on quickly is maybe a little weaker than they've had in the past. Uh, regardless of how Bruins fans feel about Tukarask, he was a great goalie for them year in and yeah. year out. Uh, and, and they just haven't gotten the same production. They've actually been relying on Swayman more this season than their free agency signing Linus Allmark. Uh, but again, two solid goalies that they can rotate through um, to give them passable production. And then, the thing that really bodes well for this team is they are well below league average in terms of shooting percentage. Uh, so the number of goals they've scored versus the number of shots that usually tends to regress to the mean at some point. Um, so I expect them to start putting the puck in the net a little bit more than they already are doing. And that's going to lead to some more wins for them. And I, I fully expect them to be right in that playoff picture uh, when the season comes to a close. 
I'm not ready to sign on just yet. I think Rask is a massive loss for them. The consistency that he brought over eight, nine seasons was just so unflappable. And until I see that over at least one season of time, I can't count on them being the same team as they were before without him. But that's enough of the Bruins for now. I don't know how I missed the Red Wings. Actually, one spot ahead of the Bruins, pardon me, with six games in hand at 20 to Boston's 14 played yeah. and just one point ahead. Uh, you know the Bruins are going to pass the Red Wings, who are cooling down from a red-hot start to the season. Uh, that was pretty surprising. I don't know, maybe something there in their strength of schedule. Uh, but after pretty good production in a lot of places, they weren't... Uh, expecting to see Raymond a really yeah. great surprise early um, leading the Calder prob race probably right now in the mo at the moment uh, I don't know what do you make of these red wings yeah Lucas Raymond with 18 points to start the season like you said they've had a, a pretty weak strength of schedule so far um, and, and they're simply in a playoff spot right now because they played more games than the other teams they're below 500 with their record and they're getting outscored uh, 2.8 goals per game to 3.4 goals against per game. So that's a pretty wide margin. Um, and that is a trend that if it continues, they're going to slide out of the playoff spot that they currently hold. And again, a young team that's building towards something and a nice start had them ahead of track, but uh, you're going to see them follow the playoff picture. And the last thing I would say here is there's not much in terms of goaltending that could really keep them afloat when they, when they stop producing offensively. Yeah. Another team cooling down from a red hot start, the Buffalo Sabres three, six and one in their last 10 after, I, I don't know, they went four and oh, they seemed up atop the Atlantic division for a minute. You knew it couldn't last. Uh, and here they are sitting at seven, seven, two for 16 points in 16 games played pretty perfect 500. Um, below that really all you can see in their future yeah it i guess for buffalo sabers fans what i will say is at least they're competing that's all you can really <laughs> ask for the product they put out last year it seemed like all those guys didn't want to be there and didn't want to work um and the, at least they're trying you just see the talent level is not there and especially in the crease Craig Anderson is their top goalie at 40 years of age. Uh, he's actually played really well so far this season, but how long can that last from a 40 year old goalie that isn't Mike Smith? Um, <laughs> and I, just, I was thinking, yeah. And uh, they've had a weak strength of schedule like Detroit to start the season. So they're going to play some stronger teams as, a, as, as things move along here. And, and I expect them to, to fall out of the race pretty quickly. And, start competing with the likes of Montreal and Arizona uh, for that top draft pick, Shane Wright. Looks to be a nice prize. Yeah, we'll end off in the East with two bottom teams, the Canadians and the Senators. Um, the Senators, to no one's surprise, really. Uh, four, 10, and one start for just nine points in 15 games. I mean, they're maybe a bit of a surprise a bit more to peel beneath uh, the canadians i they 
four or five games in, they seem to show that they were going to have nothing this season and nothing's changed since then. Uh, 20 games played, matching the Red Wings for a league high, just 12 points earned. We can probably write these two teams out of the playoffs here and now. I refuse to write them out this early just because we see what we've seen from St. Louis in, in, in the past. Um, but yeah, it hasn't looked good. Both teams, bottom five in goals for and goals against uh, bottom five in penalty kill. And then Montreal also, also bottom five in power play that just, there's not enough high, high tier talent. Like the biggest thing that comes from teams um that are developing is is consistency and that's not what you're getting from ottawa so they can play up to the leafs level one night and then just be total garbage the next night with montreal it's it must be some sort of hangover from the deep run that they had last year um obviously a lot of guys beat up none more so carrie price is the biggest missing piece for this team jake allen has been a 905 and a 2.78 goals against which just can't get it done uh, in, in the professional NHL. So yeah, with Ottawa, I think they had higher expectations coming into the season than what's ended up happening, but they are the youngest team in the NHL. So yeah. So you can live with that. Also the COVID stuff happening right now has been brutal. You can live with their season, Montreal, man, it is, it's a tire fire (laughs) and I love it. Yeah, I'm so here for it and happy to keep watching. I thought this Senators team was going to be scary early after the look they gave the Leafs, but a team that always seems to play above their level in those matchups and with COVID ravaging, uh, only getting better if they end up wheeling another top draft pick. But that'll wrap up our time in the East. I think we'll move along to the West here unless you want to take a quick break. All good here for now. All right, we'll keep on firing then. The Minnesota Wild leading the Central Division, or excuse me, tied for the lead in the Central Division at 22 points, 17 games played with the Winnipeg Jets. The Wild with two more regular, or two more wins than the Jets. Put them in first though. You've said this is the last chance the Wild are gonna have for a while. Everything kind of needs to fire for them. A team that seems to be lacking firepower to me, other than Kaprizov. The goaltending needs to be tight. The blue line needs to be solid. All of that clicking right now for the Wild. Yeah, <laughs> no sophomore slump here for Kirill Kaprizov. Mm-hmm. Some worried that the contract would get in the way uh, and, and stir some things up, but he's gotten back on the ice and he's produced as well as ever that, as he did from his Calder season last year. Um, this Minnesota wild team is buzzing. They play high event hockey, which is not necessarily what they're usually known for. They are fourth in the league in goals per game without a top 10 power play. So pretty surprising there. Uh, the way that they've been able to really produce five on five, it's been a great five on five team. Um, they control over 50% of the possession and they have greater expected goals for than against. And I think the big piece that you have to consider with this team is the strength of schedule. Uh, It's one of the weakest in the league to start. And you know, they're going to have some more matchups coming up against stronger teams, uh, which could lead to them sliding a bit in the standings. But if they get a little bit more out of the goaltending 
early on this season, then you could see them maintaining themselves at the, at the top of, of the West division. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been a fun start for the while. Yeah. Matchups against the Kraken, the Coyotes, the Ducks and the Kings while they were slumping at the start before they got hotter as they are now. And uh, despite all that, some relatively poor goals against numbers for the wild. So I don't expect to see them maintain this level of excellence, but um, they are, excuse me, uh, bottom five, bottom, or no, there's 32 teams in the NHL now, not 30, bottom 10 in the goals against for the wild at 3.18. I wanted to look that up. I do expect to see them fall a bit here, but making a good bid for a playoff chance here early. Uh, we mentioned the Winnipeg Jets tied with them at 22 points. Four overtime points, big with just nine wins to keep them in that spot. But Connor Hellebuck having a great year. Um, Kyle Connor leading the way offensively in the goals and points with Shifley and Stastny a bit injured right now. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois having a big step up year for them as well has been huge. Yeah, Kyle Connor. Um, we knew he could put up points, but he's yeah. been really, really excellent for them early this season. Hellebuck had a one pretty of the top goal scores in the league. Sorry. Yeah. Period. Now, especially he's established it. Connor Hellebuck's had a, a slow start, but really picked it up in, in recent weeks and in, in getting himself back up to basically that like number one, one, a guy in the league is going to be the starter for team USA come Olympic time. He's always in the Vesna conversation year after year. So, you know, he's going to be up there putting on great performances night after night. And, and this is a team that has had really great production five on five. They have a plus 12 goal differential in five on five hockey, which bodes well for them as the regular season goes along. The piece that they really have to clean up is they have the second worst penalty kill in the NHL. And that's going to hurt them uh, as they play some of these pretty powerful offensive teams in the central division. Uh, so they'll need to clean that up if they're going to continue to hold uh, one of those playoff spots in the central. Yeah. Though the penalty kill number is so bad right now, somewhere in the sixties percent, I believe one of those stats I expect to see regress to the mean. It can't possibly stay this bad consistently. So <laughs> that's why I see that them and the Canucks. I'm like, well, surely that has to get better. This isn't like a Leafs power play here where it can just, drag on awfully endlessly uh, i think we can move along then to st louis blues leading the team in points jordan kiro robert thomas i'd never heard of either of these players so i had to look them up um, drafted players by the blues early second round late first round players who've been in the system playing on the blues the past three four years They've taken a big step up this year, leading the team offensively, fitting alongside the more established piece the Blues have had, such as Tarasenko, Perron, um, Saad, O'Reilly. Yeah. And the St. Louis Blues, to my surprise, are a top three team in their division at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's an exercise in good system, good organization, good practices, right? versus a team like the Arizona Coyotes. And I guess in the last seven or eight years, a team like the Vancouver Canucks, where St. Louis, we write them off year after year, and yet they're in the playoffs 
every time. And that is because they do things the right way and they develop guys the right way. Uh, Cairo and, and Robert Thomas, great examples of that. The next one's coming up in the pipeline uh, in St. Louis. And it's translated to some great offense for them. Eighth in the league in goals scored. They have the second best power play in the league. They've also played an above average strength of schedule. So they're beating tough competition. Uh, and then Jordan Biddington, another guy I have to point out, basically all of the Olympic goaltending candidates, uh, but definitely one for the Canadian team. He's been all right. And then Ville Husso with two absolute stud muffin starts in the backup position that has led to wins for this Blues team. Um, a little bit patchwork in the backup goaltending spot, but they've gotten good results so far. And if Bennington can stay solid, this team is just going to hang with all the playoff teams as they do every year. Moving along to the fourth spot, though not in wild card position at the moment, the Nashville Predators and Matt Duchesne, Mikael Granlund, two players you could have written off for them uh, this point in the season last year with uh, Duchesne amid like a three-year career slump and Granlund the top of a lot of trade boards. Uh, leading these teams in points with Roman Yossi and Ryan Johansson behind them. So some points in unexpected places, solid top blue liners, and uh, Saros continuing to mind the net decently. Not amazing in the goals against, but a 9.2 save percentage is nothing to scoff at. Uh, the Nashville Predators, they seemed like they might be heading towards that trajectory of that spot towards the bottom of the league but they've put up just enough of a fight to stay like a 500 maybe playoff team they continue to be that that sort of middling franchise after their stanley cup run now what six years ago wow. um I, I don't think it was that long ago maybe four whatever the the that year was was it the first or second pittsburgh penguins cup uh I think it was the first because they beat Vegas the second year. That was Washington. I think they beat San Jose the first year and Nashville the second. Okay, maybe. <laughs> Already, but at least it feels like a long time ago. Everything does, does. after COVID. Uh, but this Predators team, yeah, middling, like I said, no Nick Cousins, no Philip Forsberg. That's really hurt their uh, offensive production. They have played some weaker teams, a below average strength of schedule. Uh, but it's been Matt Duchesne, really happy for him, and a sixth-best power play in the league that's really helped them grab some points early in this season. I, I do expect them to slide a little bit with, with a team like Colorado chasing them. Yeah, an interesting start for Colorado. Their goaltending a bit below. Their top dogs, McKinnon, McCarr, um, and I'm blanking on the other guy. Landeskog, Rantanen. Rantanen, that's the one all a bit below Nazem Kadri leading the team in points right now, um, but with just 14 games played. So some games in hand and a couple of games back, it feels like this team picking up steam. Uh, Darcy Kemper might not give them exactly what Grubauer was able to, but he'll give them enough for a team this excellent to pull off some doubles. It's a team that's dangerously close to being dubbed the, the team, the year from hell season. Like a bunch, every year, one team just has a terrible one. Last year, it was Vancouver and Dallas really got torn apart by their situations. And this year, it looks like early on, it's Colorado. The injury bug has hit these guys hard. Bowen Byram, JT Comfer, 
Pavel Francouz, Nathan McKinnon, Valerie Nishushkin all have missed significant chunks of time. Um, but it's been their special teams and third in the league in goals scored still with all those guys missing time that's helped keep them in the game. A big part of that, I was looking into it, is their high shooting percentage. They're like three percentage points above the league average in shooting percentage. So that's keeping this team afloat while they've missed guys to injury and maybe not put on their best performances night after night. Uh, and, and like you said, haven't played a ton of games yet, but they're going to need more out of Darcy Kemper in order to, to hang in this playoff race early on as they try to recover from those injuries. Yeah, then Dallas Stars, one point behind them, though two games played more for number six in the division. Breaks my heart a little to say this, but Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, both around nine points scored so far in the season at 16 games played Sagan coming off a long uh, recovery from injury there these two players probably ones we will not see playing for team Canada unlike the last time we saw the NHL join the Winter Olympics uh, still a team with lots of young talent um, the goaltending something they have to figure out without Bishop some questions need answering, though, as that top line, the Radulov, Ben Sagan, not doing what you used to for this squad. Yeah, they, this team has some bad juju for sure. They are the oldest team in the league. They are getting terrible goaltending from Anton Kudobin early on. Really, really bad. Um, terrible penalty kill. And they've been really poor in five on five. They are the seventh worst team in goals scored per game. And a lot of that is coming. They just can't generate chances five on five. The, the story that was big this weekend was, um, I forget the name of the kid, but Minnesota native, they're on the road against Minnesota. Um, Rick Bonus, knowing full well all the scenarios, they get a couple guys available at the last second and he scratches the kid after he'd spent a lot of his NHL call-up money on getting tickets for friends and family. Uh, and that was a, just a tough look for Dallas as a fourth liner. You just maybe you, cause especially after they lost what seven, two in that game, maybe you think you put the hometown kid in, get a little bit at more energy, even though he said he wanted some speed on the fourth line, just all things coming up wrong early on in this season, season for the Dallas stars. I think this, the, some of the older teams get off to slower starts and can pick things up. Uh, but right now, some bad juju that needs to get solved there. And, and I don't like their chances based on what I've seen early on. Yeah, I remember that kind of a turning point in how people saw Mike Babcock here in Toronto when he did something similar with Spezza. Just not a good look. We get to the bottom of the division. I don't know which team a bigger train wreck for different reasons. The Chicago Blackhawks, Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Arizona, 18 games played, just eight points, disastrous in pretty much most stats, just three wins, a team you can almost certainly write off from the playoffs as well. And Chicago, their whole own thing going on, we're not touching with 40-foot poles. I don't know what you want to say. I don't feel the need to dwell much on either yeah. of these teams. Both these organizations horrifying for different reasons. Um, Chicago, negative 22 goal differential in five on five, just terrible. And then Arizona actively might be trying to be the worst team in NHL history. <laughs> they are scoring less than two goals per game. And actually right now are on pace to be, I think in the top three of the least amount of goals scored in an NHL season. So really, really, really bad. And then Scott Wedgwood, remember him? He's their best goalie right now. <laughs> Yeah, so so really poor season and and that 
yeah, just let's move on. All right. Uh, opposite that, some stunning offensive numbers as we move into the Pacific Division. Excuse but me. Before we get there, we might have to take a quick break. Yes, we'll be right back to wrap up our NHL check-in with the Pacific Division Sports Next Door. Coming back to you after this. One. And welcome back here. We just have one division left to go for our Sports Next Door check-in of the NHL one-quarter season mark for the 2021-2022 season. And that division is the Pacific, which is led by the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, we knew McDavid and Dreisaitl would be incredibly prolific. None of these stats really jump out to me. Dreisaitl at 18 goals in just 17 games played and 35 points for almost a two-a-game average. McDavid not far behind him at 32 points. We didn't know to what extent that would translate into wins for the Edmonton Oilers. Here early, the rest of the team no doubt benefiting from that ridiculous offensive production to pick up some points of their own, but they're following along. The goaltending, uh, not as much from Mike Smith. Koskinen getting most of the starts. Despite a pretty poor goals against average, he's 10 or nine wins, two losses. And this Oilers team leading the division. We are not worthy. It's plain and simple. What have what have we done and what has the NHL ever done to deserve Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? <laughs> like the biggest news about this team is that they should be getting more power play opportunities. Uh, and John Tortorella told McDavid to shut up and play through it. And McDavid responded in the media by saying, I guess I should just shut up. But um, despite them getting, I think they lead the league in power play opportunities opportunities they should be getting almost double the amount like the Sidney Crosby treatment right like I'm <laughs> still not over we'll see if they go easy on him if the Penguins make the playoffs this year but just watching the absolute battering that, that man has had to take with such a target on his shoulders throughout 10 years uh and that target has long since shifted to McDavid it's stupid here look as of Friday as of Friday Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl had scored more goals as a duo than the Arizona Coyotes had scored <laughs> as a team. And you could make and you and you could make the legitimate argument that they will beat them by the time the season is over, <laughs> based on so the paces that these guys are scoring. The Arizona Coyotes or <laughs> <laughs> McDavid and Dreisaitl with like the high school boys team. You went, uh, dude. I when I. I can play shinny, but when I put on pads, I become a pylon. I could jump out there on right wing with those guys and maybe put in a couple goals. Like it's, yeah, it's really ridiculous what these guys are doing. It's, uh, besides that, like second league in goals for, of course, they have the best power play far and away, like up above 40% on the season, which is just ridiculous because the Leafs had a 40% power pay in the month of November. Uh, imagine doing that for the entire season just nuts but then you look at five on five they actually have a negative goal differential five on five so it just kind of plays into that like these guys put up a ton of points but will it be the same come playoff time when there's more five on five when there's more physicality where your two best players get brought down to earth a little bit um, which shouldn't happen but it does and then the goaltending is passable because of the scoring output that happens right now. So enjoy the ride, Oilers fans. It's so fun to watch these guys. But in the back of your mind, I mean, coming from a Leafs fan, 
the demons live there. Can they do it when it comes to the playoffs? Yeah, I'm sure they're thriving on that nice rent-free discount at the back of plenty Oilers mines. A fan base that probably is happy just to enjoy the success as they have it and not think about their demons too much. The Calgary Flames, second behind the Edmonton Oilers, one point less, one game played more. I'm ready to eat my words a little. I I thought this Flames team will just continue from where they left off last season, but Daryl Sutter having an entire offseason to work with his squad, with the messaging, he's seen Goudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk, Mangiapani get back to where they were, maybe more importantly than that, um, Jacob Markstrom having a fantastic season so far with a 1.7 goals against average and above 0.940 percentage for in 14 game starts. Uh, everything going right for this Flames after a season where everything went wrong. Yeah, Markstrom, uh, five shutouts on the year as well to add to that. That's a big reason why his goals against is, is so low. Five shutouts and seven wins. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. And they've actually gotten more than they expected out of their backup, Vladar, uh, after pulling him from basically nowhere. Uh, he's put some good starts up for them as well. A top five penalty kill. Uh, second best in the league in goals against. They're really starting to buy into Sutter's system, which was something that fans were worried about. Typically a team that played high event hockey, but they've started to really control things and it's led to success. So you can't really argue with the, with the results there, but it will it be, can they continue to buy into that system uh, or will the kids start to, branch out and play outside of that system, which you want at times, but if they do it too much, are they going to get caught? Uh, and can they sustain it again going into the playoffs when things get more physical? Yeah. A top five defensive team, maybe most surprising to me also a top 10 offensive team. So after a season where they really struggled to get goals, um, their big players were all just absent. There were a lot of questions about this offseason. They hung on with that core squad, and they seem to be producing. So as long as that continues, I imagine players will be happy to toe the line along the system. All right, I'm going to present teams three and four here as a pair. With both 18 games played, the Anaheim Ducks sit one point ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights at 23, the Golden Knights at 22 for the Ducks to hold that third spot ahead of them right now. A bit ahead of schedule are the Anaheim Ducks coming kind of out of nowhere, really hot in their last 10 games played, uh, 8-1-1, Zegras, um, and who's the other guy? Troy Terry. Yes. Fifth in the league in scoring. (laughs) Yeah, just some young players trying to step up for this team, Gibson backstopping them well, and plenty of veterans left over from their previous past success to show them the way. Yeah, these these young guys are really revitalizing Ryan Getzlaff's career. At 36, yes. we thought he was done a couple years ago, uh, but he's turned it back on, is having a great season so far. It's an average five-on-five team, but where they're really special is the special teams. Fourth in the league in power play, seventh in the league in penalty kill, and they've had really good goaltending now for about a decade with John Gibson, but they finally have a team in front of him to bring them back into the playoff picture. And uh, I got to say, I haven't caught a lot of Anaheim, but I'm looking forward to doing so now that I know that they're playing at such a high level. 
Yeah, I remember coming off last year's World Juniors, knowing that Zegras and Drysdale would be joining this team. I was ready to see great things from them, especially in a relatively weak division. Uh, they took a lot of beatings, but they've licked their wounds well over this offseason, and it's translating beautifully for them. The Golden Knights, a very different picture, just one point behind, but the offensive production has really struggled. The defensive excellence of last year, nowhere to be found. Just one point behind the Ducks, but a team that I thought would be first in this division, not the first quarter we were expecting to see. Yeah, this is another team, a product of their many late runs into the postseason has has left them with quite a long list of injuries. Obviously, uh, Carrier, Jack Eichel doesn't really count, but you can include him in that list now. William Carlson, Marcia So, Alec Martinez, uh, Max Pacioretty, Nolan Patrick, Shea Theodore. It's a long list, and those Stones are quality guys. Yeah, those are quality guys on their team. Um, they've, they've managed to score, though, at a, still a decent rate, despite the, the amount of injuries. 11th in the league in goals for per game, but they have a bottom five power play in the league, uh, which suffers because of they are missing a lot of that top-end talent. They have played a weak strength of schedule so far this season, so they're going to be in tough to try and gain some ground on the rest of the teams in the Pacific. Luckily, though, this is one of the weaker divisions in the league, I would say, overall. Um, so there will be some more chances to play within their division, gain some points, and this is a team just looking to tread water. feels a little bit like Tampa, where you just got to get in the playoffs, and then once you add Jack Eichel and you have that wicked three centers down the middle of stone of Jack Eichel of uh, Chandler Stevenson, then this team really becomes super dangerous. And uh, yeah, it's, you just wait for playoff time with these guys. Yeah. A team that doesn't really know how to do anything, but win in the playoffs. I can't really imagine them having a bad run. Another big surprise in this division, as we move along the Los Angeles Kings, Anze Kopitar leading the way alongside Jonathan Quick. Two rings, not enough for either of those players. Just willing this team that seems like nothing special to me. A great last 10, 7-2-1. and one. The, Those two losses coming in their last. Uh, what do you think? Just a bubble for now that's going to pop sooner rather than later? Or are they here for real to contend? I, I actually from what I saw, it could actually stay and maybe go a little bit the other way. Jonathan Quick having a resurgence. Um, It's been a while since he's put together a really quality season. That's what he's doing so far, even though they were looking to hand the reins over to Cal Peterson. Uh, This is a team that plays low event hockey, and that's going to take you places in the regular season. If you can keep things to a, a minimum in your end, not have a bunch of adventures and they're hanging in there with a below average shooting percentage where if that regresses to the mean then you could see them pot a couple more goals and start to advance up the rankings here again playing in a weaker division initially i thought they were going to be one of the teams that would be beat up on but if they can beat up on san jose vancouver seattle then they can really improve their chances of making the playoffs shouldn't it be progresses to the mean because it's moving forward no it just positively regresses i like progresses better (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, a league worst penalty kill has to be a huge story here. The Vancouver Canucks, a team we both had pegged to do much better after a really tough season last year, 
not the start they hope to get off to at all. Uh, Thatcher Demko above three goals against, just hovering at a 900 save percentage, a big step backwards, far from where fans wanted to be. I'm sorry I've skipped San Jose, who are actually ahead of the Canucks right now. So the Vancouver Canucks, seventh in the Pacific Division. Is it salvageable? Yeah, we you're just dying to get to Vancouver because there's so much to say. Um, average five on five team, really really bad special teams, worst penalty kill in the league as we mentioned previously, sixth worst in goals four per game. Pedersen has three goals in 18 games. Obviously, there's going to be improvement there, but really poor to start the season. And I guess to sum it up, Jim Benning's press conference on Friday, he proceeded to say, "My life is we're in tough." But so was Abbotsford. That was, if you could just sum up his comment, that's what he said was, oh, other people have it tough too because of the flooding, and we have it tough as well. And it was a terrible comparison. He should not be in front of a microphone. He actually, he shouldn't be the GM of this team, quite frankly, anymore. You know, he's been there since 2013. Wow. (laughs) Just poor GM. Um, Honestly, bad ownership. Seems like a bit of an echo chamber there based on other podcasts that I've listened to. And yeah, just a terrible season for Vancouver. They turned over um, their cap hell into future cap hell with OEL, um, something we mentioned at the time. And I, I don't really see much of a place for them to improve unless it's coming from the goaltending. Yeah, um, just it seems like they should have the pieces and they should be developing the right way. But they're just not. And that's the sort of thing that there's really no quick fix for. Uh, it's about having the right system, the right veteran players, and none of that there for the Canucks. I don't really see anything improving for them. All right, we move along to a team that did some beating on early in the season, but just four or five and one in their last 10, the San Jose Sharks, sitting sixth ahead of the Canucks at 17 games played, at 17 points earned for a 500-point percentage. Uh, and this team since that cup run just i don't know where to go with it another team i struggled to get a read on they're not great five on five uh but they have played a pretty high strength of schedule they have the best penalty kill in the league but can't put the puck in the net so it's just kind of the give and take i think a bit of it is james reimer right now is playing out of his mind for the san jose Mm. team he seems to thrive in situations where he's required to make a multitude of saves (laughs) Toronto um and then Aiden Hill has been dreadful and they've been splitting the net so having one goaltender who gives you nothing is going to lead to some losses and not much more to say of that on, uh, for San Jose they also are last in the league I think right now in average attendance yeah uh, all right we get to our last team for the check-in no surprises really here the Seattle Kraken last in their division Uh, showing that what Vegas did was truly something special. Just nine points in 17 games played. So one win more than Arizona, but uh, this team really doing what you would expect a team to do with what they're allowed to take in the lottery draft. Yeah, a classic expansion franchise. Uh, They've played a weak strength of schedule, which does not bode well for them moving forward. They are last in the league in goals against. They just, it's, it's, uh, 
revolving door there in the back end. Bottom 10 in special teams, they are negative 18 in five on five. So just all aspects of the game, they've really struggled. And um, I think where they could really get some improvement is they put the money into two younger goaltenders who hadn't got the opportunity to try and finally like carve out a role for themselves. And they were going to have this goaltender competition between Philip Grubauer and Chris Drieger, and they've both been bad. Um, and that's been a big piece. Part of that comes from not, not having a great defensive team in front of the goalies, but this was the opportunity for those goalies to prove themselves really capture that number one spot and neither have been able to do so. And yeah, uh, really cool arena the fans are excited to have another professional team in the city uh but it might be a couple rough years to begin with here as an expansion team before you pick up maybe a guy like shane wright or maybe even uh the extra special prize in uh oh the name's connor bedard yes all right that will wrap up our nhl check-in it was a bit of a marathon, as always, when we go through an entire league and try and talk about every team in said league. We get to wrap up the show with a bit of tennis notes or anything else you want to throw in there. Uh, Luke Walton fired today after losing to the Toronto Raptors um, and also having a fan puke on the court last night. I don't know if you saw that. There was no. a stoppage where a fan on courtside vomited all over the court. Some of the reactions there were pretty funny, but Luke Walden out just another long named ad to the long list of coaches. Sacramento has fired as they have failed to make the playoffs. And at some point you have to turn around and say, the owners have to look in the mirror and go, am I the problem? But they don't do that because they're rich and nothing's ever their fault. So yeah, feel bad for Kings fans. That was the only thing I wanted to touch on from the association. All right, we'll move along then. So the Nido ATP finals went on this week. Uh, just going to talk about the semifinals. So Medvedev advanced fairly effortlessly on his side of the bracket. Uh, maybe the most interesting rivalry at tennis in tennis at the moment, Alex Zverev, Novak Djokovic played the last three times they've matched up have been really intriguing, high stakes, fantastic back and forth matchups. Uh, all going the full sets. This one, no different. With Zverev beating Djokovic to advance against Medvedev, which he took in straight sets to become 2021's Nido, Nido ATP champion. So the hardcore three sets of events where Zverev really making himself at home, adding that Nido trophy to his Olympic gold. And it really sets the stage for a very interesting 2022 tennis season where I feel like we have to say right now, the big three is Djokovic, Medvedev, Zverev, at least on the hard court. These three have been the most consistent in the big events with uh, Zverev beating Djokovic at the Olympics, at the Nido, and uh, giving him a really tough matchup in the semis at the US Open, and of course Medvedev beating Djokovic there, though Djokovic getting the win at the Australian Open finals over Medvedev. I kind of has like a 1ABC lineup to me where it seems like any guy could be any guy. It's really unfortunate that Berrettini and Tsitsipas both had to withdraw from this event due to injuries early on. <laughs> as I'd put them as the two next players to add to that new generation 
that seems like Zverev and Medvedev may have finally closed the gap on Djokovic on last generation's big three and are set to step up onto that number one platform and occupy the, the highest, most elite level of tennis in the world. So really excited to resume and see where things are at with the Australian Open in January. Should be, I guess that's really just a month away, a month and a half away, we'll be talking about tennis again. Looking forward to that, but until then, um, we'll put that on pause. Oh, you can zone back in as we close off the show. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've seen what's going on in Little Caesars Arena, but Isaiah uh, Stewart uh, is trying to fight LeBron, (laughs) and he's gone into the tunnels. LeBron's been ejected. Um, The crowd is on the verge of, like, getting onto the court. Isaiah Stewart was breaking tackles of his teammates trying to get back at LeBron. Scenes in Little Caesars Arena. I don't know what the equivalent is, like malice of the powerless-wise, but Isaiah Stewart's running around in the tunnels of that arena somewhere trying to find LeBron, which is hilarious. <laughs> it is, it's madness right now. Man, everyone just wants a piece of LeBron and Iskander, Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> um <laughs> The Pistons up 91 to 78 right now. Lakers. That was one of the other things I want to mention is the Lakers just brutal, bro. No effort. Yeah, Yeah, just a train wreck of a season for them. Uh, To my delight, that seems as good a place as any to close out this show. It's been fun. We haven't had much of a break in this past week going back to back and then just like a one, two-day layoff, a two, three-day layoff looking forward to having a little bit of space until next thursday it's been for our official one year anniversary till then sports next door signing out